Welcome, and thanks for listening to this message from City Bridge Community Church. Our heart at City Bridge is to call all people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. To learn more about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. Now, here's the message. Uh, I just need to be honest. I was sitting over there and just with the songs that we sang and the testimony we heard and, and the video we just saw, man, my heart's just full of the goodness and grace and gospel of Jesus Christ. And I just hope that you hear this morning just an overarching reality that you're loved and cared for by God. And uh, I just don't want us to miss that. Because the truth is, for years in my life, I I missed it. Uh, I had come to Christ in seventh grade, and I I had trusted him and known him as my Lord and Savior, but from seventh grade to kind of freshman year of college, I just didn't know what to do next. I had trusted in Jesus and rejoiced in the life that I had in him, but I just didn't know what it meant to walk with Jesus. And so I I kind of felt like those fish at the end of Finding Nemo, in which they're finally set free from the the shackles of the slavery that was the fish tank in the dentist's office. And they made it out into the ocean and they're just celebrating. And then they pause and they look at each other and they go, okay, now what? What do we do now? And then end of movie, roll credits, that's it. And I felt like that for years from seventh grade to early in college, I just was wrestling with what's next. And so I kind of did what I saw all the other little fishies do which was I went to church when I woke up on time. Uh, I read my Bible periodically. I prayed uh, before meals and sporting events. Uh, I kind of did what I thought I was supposed to do as a good little Christian. And for years I did that and I got to college. And I remember I was felt this simultaneous feeling of being bored and yet exhausted. And uh, I remember going out into a field with my Bible and my journal, and I just sat there before the Lord and I just asked him, God, is this it? Is this all that there is? Jesus said that he came to give us life and life abundantly, and as I look at my life, I'm not seeing that, I'm not feeling that, and I don't know what's going on. There's something that's not clicking inside of me, and I don't know if you've ever been there, in which you just are trying to do everything that you think you're supposed to be doing in life, and yet you're just asking yourself that question, hey, is is this it? Is this all that there is? And maybe you would agree with the great philosopher Henry Thoreau that just says that most men, most people live lives of quiet desperation. We know there's something more, but we just miss it. And so days become weeks, become months, become years, and we just ask ourselves the question, is this all that there is? And so for me in college, as I ask God that question, the beauty of our God is that he meets us in those moments. And he speaks to us gently and he loves us and he meets us where we're at with all of our questions, with all of our doubts, with all of our confusions, with all of our depressions, with all of our anxieties. And he met me there. And he began to bring me on this journey with Jesus really back to himself. And he answered that question, is this all there is with? No, there's so much more. There's life and life abundantly and I love you, and so I want you to have that life, and I want you to have, it's not found in all these things you're pursuing, it's found in me, it's found in Jesus. 
And so what God did that year in my life and in my story is he just showed me that I had kind of compartmentalized Jesus into just kind of an aspect of my life and I missed out on the truth that Jesus wasn't a part of my life, Jesus was my life. And so what I started to ask that radically transformed my life was not how does Jesus fit into my life, but that Jesus is my life. So now how does my life fit around the goodness and the grace and the life that is Jesus Christ, that that's what I was made for. And that's what you've been made for as well. And so the truth is, as I was reflected on this message this week, one of my fears is that many of us kind of walk in a reality in which Jesus isn't the center of our life, but Jesus is just kind of a part of our lives. He's one category of many. And so if you were to think about your life, it might look like this, that here's your life and you have work and friends and leisure and family and this category called adulting in which there's just so much work to be a functioning human adult, amen? So it gets its own category. But then you come to trust in Jesus and so you try to figure out, okay, where does Jesus fit into my life? Maybe it's here or maybe it's there or maybe just kind of where does he fit in all over the place and you just try to fit him into your story. But then as you move throughout life, there's something about the human nature that has to have something at the very center of the life. And so you go, okay, well then what is it? And you start grasping at all the different categories of life. And you go, maybe it's work. Maybe I'll do work in the middle of my life, but then you put that in there and you see it begins to destroy the rest of the categories. It begins to rob you from your home and from your life itself and say, so okay, I don't want work, I want family. I'm gonna put family in the middle, this good and noble thing in the middle, but then you start to put family in the middle and then you feel this pressure of perfectionism that everything's gotta be good with you, your spouse, your kids, everything's gotta kinda go forward and so, okay, I don't wanna do work, I don't wanna do family, I'm just gonna peel back and I'm gonna put leisure in the middle. I'm, just, I'm not gonna engage life, I'm gonna go withdraw from life and I'm just gonna seek my own comforts and my own joys. And no matter what you put in the center of your life, if it's not Jesus, at the end of the day, it's just yourself. And that's so many of us, even though we might claim, hey, I know Jesus, Jesus is not the center of our life. Jesus is just an aspect of our life and ourselves are in the center of our life. And so we wonder why we're tired. We wonder why we're exhausted and bored with God and with church and we begin to ask that question, is this all there is? And God wants you to know that there's more. And Jesus doesn't wanna be a part of your life. Jesus desires to be at the very center of your life. And when Jesus is at the center of your life, blazing there at the center in everything you do and everything you think and every aspect of your life, he transforms everything because that's his nature. That he doesn't wanna rip you off, he wants to set you free. That to be fully devoted to Jesus is to fully find life in him. And that's what we're looking at this morning full devotion to Jesus Christ. We've been in the middle of a series called High Call Safe Place in which as we launch into this new world called City Bridge Community Church, what were the things that we wanted right out of the gate to be the things that we talked about and communicated? And so week one, we talked about the, the first thing being the first thing is that this is not about City Bridge. This isn't about a band or a communicator or, or a program. This is about a person. This is about Jesus. And so at the end of all things, Jesus is the one that gets all glory, all honor, all fame. Jesus gets the glory. That was week one. 
Last week, we looked from Jesus to one another and said, hey, what does it look like to live life together as City Bridge Community Church? And how do we strengthen our community groups by running together after Jesus together? And this week, as we've moved from looking at Jesus to looking at one another, now we're gonna be looking at you, saying, God, what does God desire of you? And simply put, it's full devotion. It's full devotion to Jesus that God desires for Jesus to be at the very center of your life. So we're gonna look at what that looks like for us and, and how that works and what a person that's fully sold out to Jesus looks like and lives and breathes. And so this morning, we're gonna be looking at two kind of major things. If, if we are called to be fully devoted to Jesus, what does that look like? Well, the good news is Jesus tells us. And he told us in some of the most common passages of scripture, one is the great commandment to love God and love people. And then one is the great commission to go and make disciples. And when you take those two realities, the great commandment and the great commission, and you bring those together, you get our great calling. That we are disciples of Jesus, calling all people to be and make disciples of Jesus. That's what we're gonna be looking at this morning. And so first up, full devotion is gonna come from following the great commandment. It's gonna come from following the great commandment to love God and love people. Jesus will say in Mark chapter 12, verse 28, it says this, it says, one of the scribes, someone who knew their Bible well, came up, to him, came up and heard them, a group of people, disputing with one another. And seeing that he, Jesus, answered them well, he asked them, hey, which commandment is most important of all? There are 614 commandments of the Old Testament. If you think that's a lot, there's 1,050 in the New Testament. So Jesus, knowing that we can't remember even more than seven digits, simplifies it and he says hey this is what it is the most important is this hear O israel the lord our god the lord is one i want you to have a right thinking about who god is he's the lord he's the intimate god of the universe but he's also an infinite god that wants to have a relationship with you he's the lord our god the lord is one i want you to have right thinking about god but then once you have that right thinking about god he says i want you to love that god Verse 30 says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Do you notice the totality of that? Not, not a partial bit of it, not, not a part of your heart or a part of your soul or a little bit of your strength, but all of it, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And so what does it mean to love God? Well, think about it. It, it. God is not a, a, an idea. God is a person. And so what does it mean to love a person? You prioritize them. You spend time with them. You engage with them. You think about them. You let that relationship inform your actions and your decisions. And so if I were to take all the verses about what it means to love God and whittle it down to, to what it means to really love God, you would come up with these two ideas that loving God is about an affection but it's also about an allegiance. That loving God is an affection. The scriptures call us to delight in the Lord and rejoice in the Lord and, and to long for the Lord and to linger with the Lord. That God wants you, the creator God that created you, to enjoy him, to find life in him and meaning in him. But in that affection in God moves into an allegiance to God. That you wouldn't just delight in God 
but that you would engage in a world and walking in obedience to God. That loving God is an affection of the heart, but it's an allegiance of the will. And so what does it look like to follow in that commandment, to, to the love God? Well, God tells us that to love God is to then love his people. And to love people is to love God. That's why Jesus can't even answer the question. He, he, they ask him, hey, what's the number one commandment? And he goes, love God, but then I want you to love people. It says in verse 31, the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That is a high call. Not just love your neighbor when you think about it or when you feel about it, but love your neighbor as your very self. That we're connected to one another. And Jesus says, there's no other commandment greater than these that our love for God spills out into a love for those around us. And as I think about this, and the 614 commands and the 1,050 commands, I just think about how simple this is and yet how radical it is. It's simple, love God, love people. And yet it's radical because in our broken nature, we are constantly putting ourselves in the center. And so to love other people is a radical Christ-altering command. Jonathan Edwards once said that the great sin of mankind is that the love that was meant to radiate out from us has curled in on us. There's something broken in us. And yet when we focus in and dwell in on the love that God has for us, it transforms us that we can be now lovers of people. And so I wake up like you most days just with this long list of to-dos in my brain. And I can kind of quantify what success is in that day of whether or not I can actually do all the to-dos. If I can get to the to-dos to done, then today was a great day. But when I don't, I start getting anxious and stressed out and, and I go to bed just thinking about why I need to do this and I need to do that. And all of a sudden I realize what I've done is put myself at the center of my story that day. And yet recently I've just been spending some time with the Lord in the morning and not asking God, what do I need to do today? but I've been asking, who do I need to love today? And how do I need to love them? And what's so crazy to me is every single time I've done that, like I go to bed that night, like having forgotten most of the things I actually did that day, but having this joy in this life, in this abundance of just knowing that whatever I did that day, that thing mattered. That text, that encouragement, that prayer to that person, because I love them. I didn't just do something, I love someone. And so when you wake up, you only have two things to do each day. You love God, you love people. And if you were to walk into any room you were in or any situation or any meeting and just prayerfully ask one question, God, what is the most loving thing I can do in this moment? That'll change your life. And it'll change the life of those around you because that's what you're made to do, that you were here to love God and to love people. That's the great commandment. So the question we have to ask then is what does it look like to love people? Because that word's been hijacked in our world today. And our world today needs genuine Christ-centered love more than it's ever had. Turn on the news. We need to dial down the hate and the anger, and we need to up the Christ-like love that he offers us, and he wants you to offer it to the world. And so what's the most loving thing you can do? Well, the good news is Jesus tells us. How about that? And from the great commandment comes the great commission. And that's where we go next.
Full devotion comes from following, yes, the great commandment, but also the great commission. Jesus displaying the full love of God on the cross and resurrection and throughout his life. As he rose from the grave, he gathered his disciples together and in Matthew 28, 18, he says this. Jesus came to them and said to them, he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I have all power and all authority. So maybe you should listen (laughs) to what he says next. He says in verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded of you. And behold, I'm with you, Emmanuel. I'm with you always to the end of the age. And so what is the greatest way to love someone? It's to introduce them to the one who is love. That's the greatest way to love someone and to help them walk in a moment by moment, day by day reality that they're loved by that one, the only one that matters. So Jesus gives us our mission here. We didn't come up with it. We weren't like, what do we do at City Bridge? Like, no, 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 we just went to Jesus and go, what would you have for us? And he says this, this is the great mission of God that you would introduce people to the love of God in Jesus Christ and then walk with them as they grow in that love. And so he tells them one central command. There's only one command in this passage and that's make disciples. Everything else is a participle. Everything else is holding up this one great command. And so Jesus gives us the mission, make disciples. But then he tells us three ways to do that. He says, go, baptize, and teach. He says, go, literally, not go like pack a bag, people, and get overseas, but rather it's as you go, as you move throughout the world, as you walk in your day, as you interact with your family and your friends and your coworkers, as you go, make disciples, make disciples. He then says to baptize, what's that about? Well, baptism, we saw it last week, uh, four beautiful depictions of a symbolic gesture that I am buried with Jesus. I'm identifying with him in his death, burial, and resurrection. I've been buried with him in baptism, and I'm raised to walk in a newness of life in him. But baptism is more than just being dunked in water. It's about submersion. That's what that word means, baptizo, submerge. And so what's happening in that moment is a symbolic reality that I'm identifying fully with what? The Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And we do it collectively as a body. Why? Because it's saying I'm identifying with God, but I'm identifying with God's people. And so yes, call people to believe in Jesus, but we must be people who call people to belong to his church. We go, we baptize, but then it says to teach. Well, what do we teach? Everything I've commanded of you. Okay, all 1,050 commands, let's go. All of those, love God, love people. It's all connected, it's all connected. This is his method. It's not flash, it's a steady faithfulness over time in the same direction as we follow Jesus. And so discipleship is not a program. Every program we have, Regen, Reengage, Men's and Women's Bible Study, Merge, I could go on and on and on. None of those are programs. All of those are platforms to position people before the person of Jesus. That's what those are. And so discipleship is, is not a program. It is a life on life, intentional investment into another fellow pilgrim's journey as they walk with Jesus. Let me say that again. That discipleship is an, a life on life, 
intentional investment into a fellow pilgrim's journey as they walk with Jesus. That's what discipleship is. It's texting someone in your community group and saying, hey, I love you, I'm for you, I know you are having a hard day, but I'm praying for you, and here's some verses that just came to my mind as I was praying for you. It's going and serving in kids and in students and investing in the next generation of Christ followers that will either be the remnant or the revolutionaries. And we wanna invest in them. It's calling up a younger person in the faith and grabbing lunch with them and just saying, hey, I love you and I'm for you. Tell me about where you're at with your journey with Jesus and and how can I help you take that next faithful step because we all have it. That's what discipleship is. And so something we ask here all the time is men, who are your men? Who are the people that you're intentionally investing your life into? Women, who are your women? Who are the individuals that you are pouring yourself into so that they can grow in their journey with Jesus? And you will find that as you do that with them, you have life and life abundantly because this isn't about just begrudging obedience. It's about having the fullness of life that God offers us. And we often look at these things and go, well, that can't be it, but we haven't even tried it. And we think we know better than God. He's calling us into a deep, abiding life of joy and peace and satisfaction. And it comes from loving God. It comes from loving other people and introducing them to the author that is love. That's the great commandment. That's the great commission. That's what you were made for as you walk with Jesus. And that is discipleship. So full devotion. It comes from following after that great commandment to love God, love people. Full devotion comes from following that great commission to go and make disciples, baptizing and teaching. But I want you to notice at the very end, Jesus says, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you every step of the way. I'm with you when you go to work. I'm with you when you go home. I'm with you with your kids. I'm with you and all authority is mine. So would you walk with me? Would you know me? Would you love God? Would you love others? And would you call other people into a relationship with the author that is love? And so what's wonderful about this is this, that when we look at the great commandment, love God, love people, and then you look at the great commission to make disciples, when you combine those, you get our great calling as City Bridge Community Church and as a Christian as a follower of Jesus. And our great calling remains the same. It's to call all people to fully devoted followers of Christ. That we exist here to call all people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. And so the question we need to ask is, what would that person look like? Like if you were to meet someone who was fully devoted to Jesus Christ, what would they look like? What would they sound like? If you were to follow them for a week, what would be the values, the attributes that, that, that would mark their lives as they're loving God and loving others and making disciples of all nations? What would, what would they just look like? What would they breathe? What would they, what would they sound like? What would they, how would they talk to people? And as we've wrestled with that question and gone through the scriptures, we've seen five different things that Jesus deeply values in someone that's fully following Christ. And so these five things are gonna be our five values as we move forward as City Bridge Community Church. 
Our mission is to call all people to be fully devoted followers of Jesus, but then our values of, of what we see uh, that looking like and playing out at is this. The first up is you would see someone that is walking in a life of authenticity. Authenticity. That we believe our lives are to be marked by an authenticity, transparency, sincerity, and integrity. 1 Timothy 1.5 says this, the aim of our charge is love. There it is again. That issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. That what you see is what you get as I go and love that individual. That I'm honest with God, I'm honest with others about where I'm really at in my world and my life right now. You would see someone whose life is marked by authenticity, but then you would see someone whose life is marked by the Bible. They would be Bible-based. That we believe God's word is the authority, conscience, and guide in all things, in everything. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. Because it's breathed out by God, it's profitable for, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Why? That the man of God, the person of God, might be complete. Might be complete fullness of life, equipped for every good work. You would see someone who is not just reading their Bible, but is applying it to every aspect of a life, who is learning God's word and living it out and then leading others to do the same. You would see someone whose life is marked by community, by community, that we believe God intends his people to share life together in a deep relationship with one another. Hebrews 1024 says this, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near, that we are here not just to have our little quiet time with God, but God has given us an us, that we can run after him together. You would see someone whose life is marked by a discipleship. That you would see that we believe that success is, is measured by our ability to be and make disciples who are fully devoted to Christ in all areas of life. It says in Luke 9, 23, and Jesus said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me, walk with me. I love that word, follow me, because it's the first and last command that Jesus gave Peter. The first command was follow me, and the last command was follow me. And so whether you've been walking with Jesus for like a minute or for 30 years, the, the command's the same, follow him. Be a disciple, make disciples. And finally, you would see someone whose life is marked by an evangelism, that the love that they have from God radiates out to love a lost and hurting world that we believe Jesus came to seek and save the lost and has given us the mission to do the same. Jesus says in Luke 19, 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So I want us to look at all of these together. Authenticity, Bible-based, community, discipleship, evangelism, and I just want you to look at this. And if someone were to follow you this week, If we were to get your kids in here, or your community group in here, or your coworkers in here, if you look at this list, would they say that this marks your life? An authenticity, 
a Bible-based, a community, a discipleship, and evangelism. This is the high call of Jesus Christ. This is the ideal. And yet, to be honest with you, as I reflected on this in my own life this week, I kind of felt the same way I do whenever I finish the Sermon on the Mount, in which I read the whole thing, and and this is the ideal of Jesus, and then I look at my own life, and I use Scripture as a a mirror into my own life, and I just begin to recognize that that I've fallen short in these areas even this week. And so I don't know where you're at, but for me this week, I looked at this list and I just started to think about it and I realized that this is the ideal, but this is an impossibility as I examine my own life and I examine the scriptures. And so I did what I often do in my, in my just kind of self at the center of my life reality is I started beating myself up over it. And I started just having these thoughts in my head that I wasn't fully devoted enough to Jesus to talk to you about what it means to be fully devoted to Jesus. (laughs) And so I gathered together uh, some of the guys here on staff and, and literally just right in this room as we were talking about this message, just before we jumped in, I just shared with them, hey guys, I just need y'all to know um, that for the last couple of days, I've just had these thoughts in my head that, that I'm talking about full devotion and as I, I've looked at this list and, and I just don't feel like I'm, I'm there yet and I feel like God maybe loves some future version of himself more than he loves the Derek today and, and I'm kind of beating myself over that and, and they looked at me and they loved me and they said that. They said, hey, we love you and thank you for sharing this and they prayed over me and they prayed the gospel into my life and, and that was what I needed and I didn't do that because I needed to be authentic and that's what good little Christians do, right? I did it because I needed, because I'm not Jesus and I needed prayer, I needed accountability, I needed encouragement, I needed to be reminded of the gospel and so that's where I wanna end with us that this, what we just shared this morning is the high call of Jesus, it is the ideal. And yet as you search the scriptures, you realize and you search your own life, you realize that this ideal is an impossibility. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of Jesus. And the wages of that, that is death. And so we're left with an ideal that we cannot meet and a consequence that we cannot bear. And the good news of Jesus is that he came into our brokenness and he meets us where we're at and he loves us and Jesus did the impossible. That he lived a life of full devotion, that he lived a life of loving God and loving others and making disciples and living authentically and having the Bible rooted in everything that he did and being in community and making disciples and leading people in evangelism. He did all of that. He did the impossible. And he showed the greatest love when he gave up himself on that cross. And when he rose, he conquered and he did what none of us could. And what Jesus is now doing is the impossibility has become possible because he did it. And the ideal becomes an invitation to know him, to follow him, to have life and life abundantly in him because he isn't just with you. The scripture says he's in you and he's living in you and he's working in you and he's moving in you, and he wants you to have life and life abundantly. And so when you fall short, he's there, but then he picks you up and goes, okay, let's keep walking. 
Let's keep moving because I love you. And to be fully devoted to me is where full life is found. And so I love what Galatians 2.20 says. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live, in the flesh I live by faith, in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Full devotion. It comes by following the great commandment, yes. It comes by following the great commission, yes. But it only comes, full devotion only comes by following Christ. That's why each week we talk about lingering with him and walking with him and listening to him because to see him is to know him and to know him is to love him and to love him is to live a life for him and to find life and life abundantly only in him when he is at the center blazing in your life. And so in college, when I asked that question, God, is, there, is this all that there is? He answered, no. There's so much more. There's so much more. And he used his word, he used community, he used a number of factors to bring me on a journey to know him and to walk with him and to find life and life abundantly in him and him alone. And so last story, when I came here years ago, um, I started working here and a lot of my friends who were uh, members of other churches and they just started asking me, hey, what's it like to work there? What's it like to be a part of that? Like, like, like at the time we were known as Watermark and Watermark was known kind of throughout the church world of just this place that was amazing and God was doing amazing things in and through. And so, so people started asking me, hey, like, like what's it like to work there? Like I, I hear like, it's fun and y'all have like this camp culture and y'all like Farkle and, and y'all are like the Google of churches. I heard that and I didn't know what that meant, but I just would listen to them and then I would say, hey, you know, you know what it's like to really work here? And they would like lean in because they thought I was gonna like start, you know, gossiping behind this. Hey, you know what it was really like to work here? And I go, hey, you know what it's really like to work here? It's like running with a lot of broken people who just love Jesus and just wanna follow him with everything in them. It's like running with people who just really love God and wanna love other people and have loved me. And I tell them I've seen authenticity from the top down of sharing, not just what just happened years ago, but what happened in the moment, in the, in the week, and gathering together in prayer. I saw people who were Bible-based that rooted the scriptures, not just what was taught from the stage, but in every aspect of their life. I saw community playing out in a way I've never seen it before, of true life-on-life -life love. I saw discipleship. I saw evangelism. I saw a group of men and women that were just broken and knew it, but were running after the beautiful one as they loved God and loved others. And if you're here, if you're a member here, you're a part of that. And if you're new here, we wanna invite you into that because the ideal of Jesus becomes an invitation to know him and to walk with him and to find life and life abundantly because full devotion to him is to fully find life. So let me pray that we would. Father, we just come before you and I just don't wanna miss this moment for any of us. So God, I just wanna maybe give our body a little bit of space just for them to hear from you. 
So I just want to encourage you to, to come before the Lord and just, if anything stood out to you in this message or maybe the, the Spirit of God was tugging in you on a certain part, would you just acknowledge that and bring that before him? And then would you just bring before him maybe the ways that you have fallen short this week and, and what it means to, means to be fully devoted and would you just acknowledge the, the tendencies of your heart of what you typically put in the middle? And then would you just acknowledge if you would, if just a trust that Jesus is better that he loves you, that he's not trying to rip you off. He's setting you free. That you would take your next faithful step in your journey with Jesus, not to earn his smile, but because he's already smiling upon you. Because Jesus took the impossible and he did it. He made it an invitation. And so, Father, I just thank you that you love us despite us <laughs> and you care for us. So as we sing these next few songs, Father, would it be an anthem of our trust in you and not just killing time before we gotta go off to do the next thing? Would it be an anthem of our trust in Jesus who loved us and gave himself for us that we might find life eternity, yes, but today as well. Lord, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We pray this message encourages you on your journey with Jesus. If you found this message helpful, feel free to share it with others and leave us a review. To learn about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. You can also follow us on social at citybridgecc. See you next time.